It's been a little while, hasn't it? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Dare is Human. I'm your host, Adam Connor, and phew, I have had a wild couple of weeks between the impromptu episode that you heard in the San Francisco airport, and now a number of things have happened which have put me just a little bit behind, not the least of which includes moving apartments, which also means moving studios. So I'm very happy to be releasing this episode, which is another installment in our Wonder Women series from the comfort of my new studio. And when I say studio, I basically just mean the new den in the apartment here. The microphone's still on the desk. It's the same computer. It's not as glamorous, but hey, it works for me. And it works for this new episode. Like I said, very excited to be bringing it. Another great story from the digest of fantastic females and the dares they make. Today is no exception. Talking with Hannah Sieber, co-founder and chief operating officer of EcoFlow Tech a startup hoping to make a splash in mobile power. They've just released their first product, River, a mobile power unit with solar charging capabilities marketing itself as the world's most comprehensive array of charging ports ever. Now, I don't know about you, I certainly need my power on the go. Don't always have access to a charger, and EcoFlow Tech is ready to make that happen on a grand scale. And it's something they've been raising funds through on Indiegogo, which I'll explain towards the end of the episode because they've done some pretty amazing work on there. Against a goal of $30,000 in just a few short days, River and EcoFlow Tech has raised over $400,000. So it's an amazing story about how this company started up and about how Hannah started it, and I look forward to having you hear her story. I'll provide more details about how you can get in touch with EcoFlow Tech at the end of the episode. But for now, again, from this new, glamorous, amazing studio, I present to you the next installment of Wonder Women. This is Hannah Sieber. Okay, so I've got Hannah Sieber today on the show. Hannah is a co-founder and the chief operating officer at EcoFlow Tech. Uh, They are currently in the middle of releasing their first blockbuster product, uh, River, which is a mobile power unit. I have looked up these guys all over social media. I've seen the marketing. It looks incredible. Granted, an industry I don't know a whole lot about, but something that Hannah certainly does. Uh, currently living in the Shenzhen district in China, which is undergoing a hardware revolution at the moment on the cutting edge of all things consumer electronics. But enough of that intro. Hannah, how you doing? Good, good, Adam. It's great to be on here today. I uh, I was connected to you from a mutual contact of ours, and uh, you know, once again, another great story of somebody who you know went to school here in America, went into you know sort of uh, consulting as many people do, but then got this urge, got this spark, and went out and started your own thing. So I think that's awesome. I've tried to intro it a little bit, but why don't you tell us yourself a little bit about EcoFlow Tech, a little bit about you, uh, and then we'll dive in a little bit. Great. Um, So EcoFlow Tech, we are a company dedicated to bringing uh, mobile power to everyone around the world. And so, you know, we really believe that um, every person should be able to get off the grid and and have power, whether they're out, um, you know, out at a picnic, whether they're hiking, camping, 
um, whether they want power for a music festival, for a concert, for a construction site, um, and then also that people in developing worlds should be able to have power that currently don't have power. Um, and so w- what we really believe is bringing mobile power to everyone. And, and through that, we've created this um, battery, as you said, called River. And it's a 500-watt mobile power station that you can take with you that has um, ability to charge anything from a refrigerator to an amp to, a, uh, of course, your laptops, your devices. It can charge uh, drills. It can charge a drone. Um, it can charge anything that you would need to charge. Um, it can power a school. Um, for eight hours, if you needed electricity, it can power. It can be great for disaster relief situations if you're bringing power to an area that doesn't currently have power. Um, and so, you know, we really believe in in building out the opportunity for everyone to, you know, for lack of a better word, power a free life. Yeah, I uh, I liked the messaging you had in your marketing when you said just because uh, we unplug doesn't necessarily mean that we shut off anymore. I thought that was great. And personally, I could see a bunch of use for how I would use it. Uh, look forward to to seeing it in action and uh, look forward to the continued success. But before we get to all of that, as that's present in the future, let's dial the clocks back a little bit and uh, start off with sort of the inception of this idea, or at least the environment in which this idea was sparked. You were at Duke, you were studying Chinese studies uh, and international comparative studies, and it's there, at least from what I can see, that sort of China's culture and the opportunity there, you know, economically, technologically, really shown through to you. I, uh, I'm just reading through a little bit of uh, basically your resume here, I'm going through the old LinkedIn, but uh, that is that. That's what I'm reading. Talk a little bit about like why China was so important to you, and what really sparked that first thought of, "Hey, uh, this is a great place to grow." Yeah. So, so I've actually my first time in China was when I was 17. So it was before I was even at college, and <clears throat> I had the opportunity to live with a family in Beijing, and that was such a wonderful experience. I had you know a host family, host brother. Um, and I was so inspired by all of the energy that was coming out of, you know, our generation in China. You know, it was the first generation that saw, um, you know, had purchasing power and the ability to really change things. And they also saw the importance of China as a global economy as it emerged and how it interacted with the U.S., um, with Europe and with every country around it. Um, and I was I imagine, to be honest, it's what it felt like to be in maybe Silicon Valley in the 90s. You know, there was just all of these people trying to, you know, push through on innovation. Um, and I, I loved that environment. And so I went on to college and I continued to study both Chinese, the language and the culture. Um, and I ended up my senior year writing a thesis that looked at human capital migration and the role of innovation in China. And this was in some ways to dispel a myth. Um, that at the time was, you know, getting shown a lot in different publications that, you know, China was only this country of uh, rote, you know, copying of rote manufacturing and that there wasn't any creativity and innovation. And in fact, when you look at some of the, the data, that that just simply isn't true. Um, China was starting to have more inventions than every other country in the world in terms of when you looked at patents being filed um, to the WTO. And, and you saw that, you know, you had this generation that was studying abroad that was going, uh, in Chinese, we say haigui, which means a sea turtle. So they were going to the U.S. or to Europe, to Australia, to Great Britain, um, getting these phenomenal educations. And then a lot of them were returning back to China and taking some of the, you, you know, some of this Western philosophy on uh, critical thinking and on um, innovation and on, you know, failure um, and bringing and applying that to different schools of thoughts and inventions here in China. 
And so it was really exciting to see kind of that change and how all of a sudden you saw a generation that was driving forward uh, different ways of thinking, different innovations, different inventions. And, you know, I loved it. It felt like that's where everything was happening. And so kind of that perked my initial interest. Yeah, it sounds like a nice melding of philosophies. Of course, you have uh, this area for potential hyper growth. And you're right, much like Silicon Valley in the 90s, uh, though I'm unaware of any real crash that's yet to happen. And I don't see it happening. And, you know, I think that for the moment, they've avoided all that. And then, uh, you know, spreading that culture out as much as possible really allows for some uh, for some really amazing things. So uh, at the end of the day, though, I mean, you were studying and this was a thesis. You had an experience over in China and that's and that's all well and good. And I'm sure you learned a lot. But when the you know, the folks kept knocking for real work, I guess your real nine to five, that's that's where at least you started out. And uh, this idea, this passion for Chinese culture maybe never left. And I definitely want to talk about that because that's the dare if we're going to condense down this show into one act, I think. Uh, but you started off uh, in a more traditional role, perhaps building knowledge, perhaps just building the business skills. Uh, explain sort of the, the decision to start off at, uh, at Parthenon, which was where you uh, began your postgrad. Yeah. Yeah, so Parthenon, which is a a kind of management consulting firm with headquarters in Boston but has offices all around the world, um, was a really great place for it to start. Um, So I actually joined them originally to be part of their Shanghai office um, and then unfortunately wasn't able to get there right away but ultimately did um, transfer and spend a good amount of time in the Shanghai office. Um, And it was such a neat way to see how all the different business sectors were acting. So at Parthenon, I learned about you know, everything from the consumer sector to the industrial sector to the technology sector. Um, I worked with some of the smartest people. Um, and I really was able to understand the role of capital. And by that, I mean, I worked in our private equity practice. So I spent a lot of time looking at different you know, deals getting done um, and the role that you know, private capital played in, in growing companies and growing brands. Um, and so that was really exciting to see, especially in the Chinese market, where um, you got to see you know, a ton of different brands start to explode, and you got to see even some of them um, look at how to be international companies. Gotcha. So you were able to immerse yourself once again into this culture, uh, not just uh, through having a host family, but now actually applying some of the work, some of the business skills you're learning to this exact place that, that you've been writing about, that you visited and loved so much. Uh, and it was a great Great opportunity for you. I know you spent a little bit of time there. And as you spent your time there, you started to put two and two together and you said, hey, how can I, you know, get, you know, dip my toes into the capital and the incredible opportunity that's happening here? Uh, How can I get a part of that sort of Silicon Valley feel out there in the Far East? Now, uh, you began your transition into starting your own company uh, by joining a program that, called China SF, uh, which was uh, sort of a an initiative. As I'm, as I'm just, I'm doing a very great job of reading here. Um, between SF, uh, you know, obviously a great hub here in America for innovation and ingenuity, especially in the tech space, um, and uh, China uh, to in- help to increase investment uh, was an investment in the tech space specifically. Uh, why, why this, why this bridging? Yes, yeah, so, so I've long believed that, you know, it's, it's imperative that countries like China and the U.S. work together. They're so intermingled when you think about trade and investment, but also the movements of people. 
Um, and, and it's really been kind of a that I joined um, China SF, which works in close partnership with the city of San Francisco Center for Economic Development. And the goal was really, you know, to increase trade and investment between China and the city of San Francisco. And so we had offices in Beijing, Shanghai, and then Shenzhen. And I um, joined to start the Shenzhen office, actually, sort of build out our presence here in Shenzhen. And so in every city in China, there are, you know, slightly different focuses. So here in Shenzhen, we did do a lot of tech investment, tech and real estate, uh, just given kind of what what was happening here in the city. So, you know, different projects would be anything from helping find investment and partners to build out, you know, homeless housing in the city of San Francisco um, to working with, you know, a lot of the hardware companies here in Shenzhen that were looking to come uh, to the U.S. And it was through that scene that I really got to know and love Shenzhen um, and understand that, you know, Shenzhen is on the brink of a revolution. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that earlier. It's um, all of, you know, a good portion of the world's consumer electronics are manufactured here. Um, all the biggest companies like Apple have factories here. And it's really cool because you're seeing, you know, they're pushing the limits on what we know of AI, of VR, of robotics, of hardware, of batteries. Um, and so it's, you know, it's through that that I really got to work with all these amazing startups here in Shenzhen looking to expand in the U.S. Um, and helping them expand, you know, into San Francisco in specific. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hold on one second. Okay, here we go. Back on. That sounds great that you were able to work, especially with those startups, as I'm sure that in part led to the inspiration to uh, dip your own toes into that water and begin your own startup. And just after a year of working with that group, uh, you go on to found this company, EcoFlow Tech, uh, you know, just having started around the turn of the year. Uh, I see that you are a co-founder. Being out there, how were you connecting with the folks that ended up being the folks that you started this business with? Were they colleagues of yours uh, from previous employment? Were they sort of uh, expatriates that you met uh, in your travels? How did you do it? Because I'm thinking if I'm in a, in a foreign country, and granted, I've not spent any large amount of time in a foreign country, not fluent enough in any other language to learn. So perhaps I'm sort of exasperating the stress that I would feel on my own. Uh, but that just seems like such a scary transition because you were in China and you were working there, but you were doing so with a sort of established group in all experiences. Now you are starting something completely new, opening yourself up to all of the, I guess, risks of doing that, all of the wonderful opportunities, but, you know, now it's just Hannah, or it's Hannah and, and Eli, and is, or there are two co-founders, or are there more than two? I, I didn't see. Yeah, so actually our co-founding team is really neat. We're a co-founding team of four people. Um, so two are Chinese and they're battery engineers and both have uh, significant experience in the battery space. Um, and then there's two of us, both Americans, actually, myself and Eli, as you mentioned, our CEO. And, you know, we are both focused on everything from, you know, operations, finance, marketing, sales, uh, basically on building this out to become a, a global company. And how did you just happen to run into two expert battery engineers? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I mean, I think Shenzhen is some of the coolest people in the world here. You can go to maker spaces and meet everyone working on all different projects. And so uh, we actually met kind of earlier in the year, and I'd known them for a while, and I'd known Eli for even longer. Um, and we, you know, it's something that they've been talking about, been thinking about, and um, it was kind of a beautiful melding of, of four different skill sets that were all needed to make this a reality. Um, and so we worked in stealth for a long time, and then we officially launched our product at CES, the world's largest consumer electronics show, which happened in uh, January of this year. 
yeah, definitely uh, lots of cool tech stuff happening there. Um, I've even talked with a, a couple of folks who are starting their own sort of projects and uh, got, you know, their little booth sort of in the corner of the space there and uh, are saying like, hey, you know, we're, uh, you know, power and we're, we're do batteries and all this stuff. So um, that's that sounds uh, really, really interesting. And, you know, now that now that you are fully on your own, I mean, you're roughly, I guess, publicly, we're no, we're no longer in stealth mode, okay? We're now fully in the open, and we've been there, it looks, for roughly uh, a month. That team of four, is it still just the four of you? How, you know, talk a little bit about uh, the expansion, the growth that you've experienced. Obviously, I'm seeing a heck of a lot of, of really beautiful marketing going on here. I think it's a really great story, actually, the videos that you've shot, uh, all of them actually using your own technology to do so. Uh, but talk a little bit about the growth that you've experienced just in this first 30 days, because, you know, that's the sort of crucial time after any dare where, you know, uh, it's a, it's fight or flight. You know, am I going to go after this or am I going to get buried in all of the logistics and all of the risks. Now, it sounds obviously like you had plenty of foundational experience not to do so. Again, it's more just me being really unable to relate and glad that I'm talking to you and glad that I'm learning about it. But talk about like how much everything, I guess, went from zero to 100, like really, really, really quick to take the song lyrics from Drake there. Uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because it's just, that's maybe fascinating to me. Yes, so we are really lucky. We have a team of about 50 people right now. Oh my God, you guys went from four to 50? How long did that, was that a month? We did, yeah, so a little over a month. Yeah, we went to from four to 50 people, and um, the team includes a minor, majority engineers, um, but we've also recently hired someone new to help with operations. Um, we have some people in the U.S. helping with uh, website design, uh, with all sorts of branding and design work, and then also um, on our sales side. And so it's been it's been really exciting. I mean, we are really building out a global team right now. We're in five different time zones, which is pretty crazy. Oh, I'm sure that doesn't present any problems whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I take I take a lot of calls at weird hours, um, but it's it's really exciting. It's um, you know I think everyone's doing this because they believe in the mission, and that is so huge when you can build a team this fast. And when we've you know people have left from really impressive jobs and you know have left other impressive opportunities because they believe in what we're doing. Um, and so that's, you know, really exciting to know that, you know, our mission and our mission is really to, you know, help people at campsites in Denver to, uh, to campgrounds in Delhi. Um, and we, you know, we really think that we're on the path to do that. Well, I, I would I would have to agree. And granted, I, I don't have a lot of personal startup experience on my own. Uh, the only startup that I have is this show. And uh, it's a cast of one. And it's going to be a cast of one for, for a while here. So four to 50 in a month is just blowing my mind. Uh, just lest we forget that you're in a totally foreign land. Again, something I can't really comprehend. You mentioned diving into an arena here where you have to obviously research the competition. It's a growing market. This space is, you know, of mobile power is one that I have to imagine is going to take off at, you know, at some point, if not now. I mean, I know I've got, you know, I'm I basically before I got a new phone, uh, I could not live without my little mobile one. You know, that's like the size of a matchbox, basically that powers the phone up. And so this is just completely revolutionary, but I have to imagine a heck of a lot of competition out there, perhaps similar uh, foundation uh, in terms of groups, the mixture of American ingenuity and the foundation in Chinese uh, locals. How have you been able to deal with sort of competition? Because those are those are threats to your business too. I have to imagine that it's enough to 
build up your own thing, get from four to 50 people, get two uh, major investors to come in. Now you have to ward off all these investors who, if they're doing the same research you're doing, are finding the same opportunity. Yes, yeah, so the opportunity in this market is huge. I mean, the the first thing is it's really cool because it's it's really a new market segment. So I think you know, as you mentioned, they're battery packs, right? And these are these small battery packs that may charge your phone once, twice, maybe up to four times. They're usually up to four cells in each battery pack, um, and th- those are pretty standard. They're commodity. They're price driven. And then on the other side, you have you know really big battery storage, some, like something Tesla is working on with its Powerwall. Um, and again, that's a mobile storage unit that is you know for a house and that isn't kind of in this uh, home intermediate level yeah i was just gonna say do you consider tesla a competitor because like i don't know they they seem they seem like a pretty big uh like 900 pound gorilla there but maybe uh maybe another fish to fry in the future for now sounds like you got a slightly different market there yeah so so we're really building this new market and it's this market around mobile power and, and being able to you know, bring 500 watts of power with you. So, you know, being able to bring something that could charge an amp for a day or charge uh, charge your laptop 20 times, whatever it is. Um, what's really cool is our product has a shelf life of a year. So that means it's also something you could leave in your basement and you could charge once a year and use as a backup generator. And like, I mean, think of that. That's huge. It's, it's way greener than a generator. It's, it doesn't use gas. Um, it's cheaper. And so there's all sorts of really cool use cases for having something like a river around your house. Exactly. So uh, the other thing I thought was really cool about River was not only, of course, it's it's got a long shelf life. It's a, a very green, obviously, uh, credence to the EcoFlowTech name uh, being environmentally friendly. Uh, but probably the coolest feature I saw that I like I was watching the video. And literally, I threw my hands up in the air because I was like, this is perfect. You could actually probably go mostly off the grid with the uh, resurgence, or maybe not resurgence, but with the growing popularity in solar power, the ability to harness that as well. So if you're out camping, it's not just a one-shot deal. You don't have to go home and plug it back into the into the wall or like head out to your car while you're glamping or whatever you want to do. I mean, this is something that you could just leave outside, you know, while you're going for a hike or, you know, while you're doing whatever you need to do and just sort of, I guess, like, I don't want to say endless power, but it seems like an incredible, incredible resource. Um, I have to assume I know the answer here, but like, how crucial was being environmentally friendly combined with building a, a technological innovation? Like, How important was that to the company? I have to imagine it was central. And was it also critical to the investors jumping in as well? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, our mission is to be an environmentally conscious and environmentally forward organization and company and everyone who supports us, whether it be investors or employees we hire, you know, are, are aligned with that mission. And so for us, you know, being able to recharge by solar is huge. And we actually can recharge. We have three different solar panels to choose from, a, you know, a 50 watt, a 36 watt and a 21 watt. And that just means like different sizes that can accommodate um, different needs around how quickly you need it to recharge, um, how much, you know, you can carry with you, depending out if you're hiking versus maybe in the field all day, you know, running drones. And so, um, for us, you know, being able to recharge by solar and then also being able to recharge by car, because uh, a lot of people are on the road. Think about, you know, someone who may be in their RV. Um, you know, if you're on the road for eight hours a day, it's great that you can charge it while you're on the road and then you have it all night um, for anything that you could need to power if you are out camping at night. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's a lot of uses for this. Uh, just sort of curious and maybe a bit of a, a lighter question here. 
in doing research for this and in launching the product, you had to have kicked around a bunch of ideas like, oh, somebody could use this when they're like at a music festival. Somebody can use this when they're out camping. What's like the craziest suggestion that would be like actually legit for a use of River? Like what's the craziest thing? It's like, you know, I bet you could do this for X, Y, Z. What's that been? I mean, I'm thinking something like, I don't know. Would it be ridiculous to say you could take this, uh, you could, I mean, say that NASA, right, weren't so technologically advanced that they have backup power strategies. I mean, this is something that you could just sort of, you said something you could just throw out the window. I mean, not literally, and power the entire shuttle. I mean, like that's the idea, though. I mean, what does somebody suggest has been like? Oh, I bet you could do this for X. Yeah. So I mean, I think the the suggestions are endless. Um, something that people have been really excited about, which was a bit um, surprising to us, was tailgate. I mean, people love this idea of like oh, this is going to be at you know every yeah. football game, um, and you know that was pretty cool. Um, we've also gotten a lot of feedback from the opportunity to for you know people to have this on base so when you think about kind of you know what our armed forces and our military is doing um you know the opportunity to have this you know have power when people are away from home so that they can skype with their families and things so and that's just really exciting for us to hear too so all sorts of different um things that we weren't expecting and people continue to come out and say what if we do this um we were just talking to one of the largest TV network suppliers in the U.S., and they are, um, when they go to do installs at people's homes, a lot of times there's not power because they haven't moved into the home yet. And so they actually have a huge need for power um, before that, you know, when they're doing home installs. And so that was kind of an interesting idea that hadn't crossed any of our minds. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I've said it again and again on this episode here, but it seems like real endless possibilities for River. Right, hang on. So let me, let me see here. Let me see if I can get another, hang on one second. Um, so River seems by all accounts that it is going to be a vast success. I, I hope you had a great showing there at CES. I obviously wasn't personally there to see it, but it just, it looks, I mean, the whole production quality looks beautiful. I want to give a nod to uh, the person who was shooting your videos uh, in your, in your early campaigns here. I mean, it just looks absolutely gorgeous. The scenery, everything around, and perfect placement of the product. And uh, to boot, the entire thing powered by the device itself. <laughs> yes, indeed. It, um, you know, we really like to practice what we preach, and we think it's so cool that, you know, the ability of River is to actually power a production. Um, and so we'd love to see more uh, filmmakers and documentary filmmakers, anyone who's traveling, say, to be journalists, um, using products like this to actually help them produce their work. Yeah, it was shades of the shot on iPhone commercials or like, you know, LG and Samsung, everybody's shooting the commercials now. Like, I think, gosh, what was the first one? I think like Ashton Kutcher, like Kutcher shot the whole thing on like a Nikon V1 or whatever it was, like the first phone camera they had. So that was really cool to see too. Um, really, really wonderful stuff. And this is just, I hope, the first product in in what is going to be an entire family of technology for EcoFlow. Do you have uh, do you have any plans for what's next on the roadmap? You got a little gossip here, a little bit of little bit of breaking news right here on the show about what you might be thinking about, what market you might tiptoe into after this intermediate. You're gonna go after Tesla. You're gonna knock down that 900 pound gorilla. <laughs> well, so actually, Adam, we have two more products on the pipeline for 2017. So that's super exciting. Um, and then in terms of markets, we um, are targeting the U.S. of course to begin, just because that's. Uh, where we're from and the markets we're most familiar with, but we have really high hopes to be abroad, and we've actually gotten some really good feedback from different retailers and people we've spoken with uh, in the UK, um, in Dubai, and actually in Kenya. 
And so hopefully we'll be in, you know, a couple of those markets by the end of the year too. Wow. I have to imagine, I want to go back to the fact that you've experienced this, what's the math, like 1150% growth or something in from four to 50. But, you know, looking out for 2017, I mean, you've already experienced this huge number in headcount, like, and you're, of course, at the head of all of this as the head of the operations. Like, how many more people do you think you're going to need to stretch out to all of these markets with all of these new products? I have to imagine it's, you know, obviously in the triple digits, but I mean, the growth's just going to keep on coming, it sounds like. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're dedicated to being a, a, a growing company and also a lean company. And so we'll grow as we need. But I, I do believe that, you know, by the end of the year, we'll, we'll intend to have uh, more people added to the team. Um, and that's exciting. I mean, we want to make this into a billion dollar company and we believe we can. Um, and so we're super, super excited to see what the year brings. Mm. And that would be so cool. I mean, that's I mean, not only obviously for <laughs> for you guys, that would be, you know, I'm sure very doable, obviously an incredible feat, just numbers that I can't even think about. I would be lucky enough to have talked to you at the start of it all. That's the closest that I would be to anybody of that level of success in this point in my life. Now, before this podcast, of course, blows up and becomes the number one show on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you will be too soon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I got I got to make sure that I'm, you know, traveling more. Maybe I'll get one of these rivers, you know, and I'll start to go out in the woods and interview, you know, famous recluses and all this. Um, so, uh, yeah, I bet, I bet you would. I Oh, man, I would, there'd be a whole lot of publicity there. Give one to like Bear Grylls as he's like trying to survive uh, the forest. So I've got Two more questions uh, for you here, uh, Hannah, and uh, two questions I, I ask to most of the folks uh, that are coming on this show. The first is about inspiration. The second uh, is about shameless self-plugging. Now, I'll start with the first. Say that somebody, maybe they don't have all of the foundational experience that you have of moving to China, let's say, immersing yourself in a completely different culture. And maybe for them, they don't need that. Maybe they're jumping into a new industry, maybe just going from a group effort to a solo effort, whatever it is, they are looking to make that dare that they think will propel them to further success. Uh, it's something that maybe they're worried about, they're analyzing the risks, maybe overanalyzing them, and they're not quite sure how to get over that hump. Based on your experience and based on all the people who have made those dares with you to join EcoFlow, uh, what would you say is like one piece of advice or maybe one mantra that carried you through to this moment that you'd like to pass along to those folks that they can learn and ultimately take away from this show? Yeah, so, I, you know, I think it's a great question. Um, for me, it's always been about learning. Like, I love learning and I love, you know, I'm passionate about learning. And so I keep, you know, pushing myself to learn. And I think that um, for you, if, if, you're not learning, then you should figure out how to keep learning. And for a lot of people, that means taking the risk and doing something new and, you know, kind of getting off the, the beaten path, because oftentimes the path that we've all taken is, you know, is not as full of perhaps the learning um, as, a, you know, charting a totally new territory. Yeah, education is is chief in this. You have to know what you're doing going in and, you know, being educated on all aspects of something, I think, is you know, uh, while maybe not the emotional pull that you need is certainly the foundational pull that you need. And you certainly have no lack of that, uh, nor I think should anybody who is going to, to dive in to a new venture. Um, and speaking of new ventures, uh, that leads me into the, to the last question here. Uh, I obviously am a big fan of this without even having gotten my hands on it. It's look, it looks great. EcoFlow looks like an awesome opportunity for those who agree with me. 
and want to check out everything that you guys are doing, how can they find you either on social media or elsewhere? How can they, uh, how can they interact with what EcoFlow has to offer? Yeah, of course. So we would love that. Um, you can check us out online on our website, which is www.ecoflowtech.com. So again, that's ecoflowtech.com. Or on Facebook or Instagram on ecoflowtech or LinkedIn at ecoflowtech. Um, and feel free to drop us a note at hello at ecoflowtech.com. We're always uh, looking to talk to our uh, consumers and people interested in, in the product. Um, and finally, um, you can actually get a product starting in April. We'll be launching our crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. And so you'll be able to log on to our Indiegogo platform website at that point um, and purchase a river. So that'll be pretty exciting. Folks, if you're a fan of the idea, I urge you to go and do that. This is, in my opinion, a great idea in a budding space. And when led by smart people here like Hannah, it's bound to go places. I will leave all of the uh, pages that Hannah has just mentioned in our show notes. But once again, EcoFlow Tech, go check them out. Um, for now, Hannah, it was a joy to, to have you on the show and to learn a little bit about it. Uh, I was fascinated coming in. I'm even more fascinated now. I'm going to head back to my computer and do a little more research, probably watch those videos again because they really were stunning. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for explaining your dare here. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best uh, in terms of your success. And I really look forward to seeing what you do and, and ultimately getting my hands on River. Awesome. Well, thank you, Adam, for having me on the show. It's been awesome to be here and talk with you about it. Pretty amazing stuff. And if this episode has you charged up to learn more about EcoFlow Tech and River, head on over to their website, EcoFlowTech.com. Also available on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at EcoFlowTech. And finally, you can contact them directly at hello at EcoFlowTech.com. Com. I like that email format because it's mine. And then finally, again, their Indiegogo page. If you go on Indiegogo and search River, your mobile power station and solar generator, you'll get to their page. As of today, they've raised $418,000 against a goal of 30000 So they're doing just about 1,400%. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. Hannah, it was a pleasure having you on the program, and I hope to see more and more success come out of you and EcoFlow Tech. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a great example of somebody I should be featuring in Wonder Women, feel free to connect with me on social media or shoot me a note. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at todareishuman and by email at hello at todareishuman.com. Even if it's just some feedback, say, hey, I like the show. Hey, you can improve here. Let me know. And if you choose to leave an iTunes review, hey, that's great too. I don't like to beg for those things. I think I used to earlier in this show, but you know what? It's great to be on a public forum, but at the end of the day, I want to improve. So let me know if you have something constructive you'd like to provide. All right, that's it for now. We are back on a regular schedule starting today. We'll be back on Monday with another mini-sode and next week for another installment of Wonder Women. I'm so happy to have a few more of these Thanks to you. I'm getting a lot of great examples from my listeners, in fact, of folks to feature, and I've been able to do that for the next couple. So this series is going nowhere. I am going nowhere. I'm Adam Connor. This has been another episode of Two Dare as Human, and we'll be back on Monday. See you later.